was the message that Paul gave the Romans so many years ago, and it's still relevant today. I am a debtor both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the non-wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Gary. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, warm welcome from me as well. My name is Adam. I'm the vicar here at St. Jude's. You're very welcome with us if you're new or visiting us. Welcome to you if, if you're joining us online. Uh, a big thank you to you uh, this morning because you have all uh, paid the price. I know it was a great hardship for you to not run uh, this morning, just like it was for me. I sacrificially chose to preach this morning rather than to go uh, and run. Uh, and thank you for joining me in that and for being with me uh, as we worship together. And we think about this passage. Let's uh, just take a moment to pray uh, before we uh, have a think about it. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your presence with us. We thank you that you are here. We thank you for your word. And Lord God, we pray this morning that as we think about your word, that your spirit would be alive within us, that we would know your word alive within us. we would know your presence and your power. Come, Lord Jesus, and dwell deeply in our midst this morning, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Um, I chose that reading uh, a little while ago as we're thinking uh, through uh, our uh, series at the moment, as Ruth said, thinking about how we share God's love. And today we're thinking about being unashamed in our sharing of God's love. But before we get into that, I just want to uh, give a little bit of history for those who don't know um, about the church and a little bit about myself as well. If we haven't met before, uh, you might not know that probably uh, my biggest passion is that the church, the church as a whole, body uh, would have its eyes opened to the power and the presence of God, to the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, my favorite verses in the whole of scriptures are the beginning of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. He prays that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we might know the hope, the, uh, the inheritance that we have, and the power that is available to us. And I pray regularly, daily, for revival in God's church, uh, for revival in God's world uh, at, uh, in this lifetime, in my lifetime. Uh, but often when I talk about that, people say, but Adam, isn't this all a bit new? Isn't this all kind of changing the way that we see the Spirit at work and the, perhaps the more manifest ways we see the Holy Spirit at work? Isn't that just a bit new? Uh, some people quote Azusa Street. You might know Azusa Street. There was a big revival in Azusa Street in America in the early uh, 1900s, uh, possibly the start of the Pentecostal movement. Probably not, but that's an argument for another day. But either way, maybe 100 years, 120 years, but really before that, it was very muted, the work of the Spirit in his church. So we're a bit suspicious 
actually. Why is this new? That's something that's said to me quite a lot. And that might be what you think, it might not be. But actually, regardless of what you think, as you look at church history, that is very much not the case. When you go right to the early church fathers, straight after we read in the book of Acts, we see some of the church fathers, all of the church fathers gave substantial evidence that miracles continued to operate, powerful works of the Spirit continued to operate within the church. Now, there are a number of reasons why that moved away, why that dampened down, why that quietened out. Most historians accept that the main reason was the conversion of Constantine in 312 AD. And with that conversion, he introduced the Christian faith to the whole of the Roman Empire. Now, you might think it would have the opposite effect, wouldn't you? That, uh, that the ruler uh, would become, become a believer in Jesus, would share that faith, instruct that faith to go out to the empire. Maybe we would see more of God's spirit amongst us. But actually, the opposite was true. Why? Because from that point onwards, the church has battled with its identity and being secularized, becoming secularized as a church. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean in order to fit in, in order to be accepted, in order to be understood, the church has reduced its expectation or its practice of the miraculous. Somehow, in order to be popular, in order to be more acceptable, the church, back in those uh, early days, felt it needed to be more like the world. I wonder if we can see something of the mirror of that even today. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, our reading says this morning. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I wonder today if that is true for God's church, whether that's true for individuals in it. Maybe we wouldn't use the word ashamed. Maybe we'd use embarrassed. Or maybe we'd use conflicted or not confident of it. How many of our friends or our families know about our faith? How many of our work colleagues or our neighbours know about our faith? Now, I'm sure that many of the people here uh, have a... Uh, for many of the people here, sharing our faith comes very naturally. It's a very normal part of our day. All of our friends, all of our neighbours, all of our colleagues know about our faith. It's the centre of who we are. But I suspect for some of us, that's a bit harder. Maybe for some of us, the heart of the gospel, Jesus coming, uh, saving us from our sins, bringing us into relationship uh, with God, is okay. We can share that bit. But there are other aspects of our faith which are a bit harder to understand and a bit harder for us to share, that feel a bit more different to the rest of the world. Maybe it's the idea that God is healer. We're more keen to say, go to the doctor, go there, rather than to pray for people. Now, going to the doctor is important and it's all part of God's healing, but it's not the only way that God heals. God does and will bring miraculous healings if we pray. Maybe it's about hearing God's voice. We're not really keen to share with other people that God speaks to us today. What about the issues that run perhaps in the opposite grain uh, to society? Issues like abortion or sexuality and marriage. Maybe we're less confident to share those thoughts. 
it's really easy to secularize, if not our belief at the very core of who we are, then certainly our understanding and almost definitely our language, our communication of it. Uh, if you've been here before and you've heard my story before, you'll know that my calling to be the vicar here came uh, as a result of me hearing God uh, speak to me. And that was confirmed, God speaking to me on a number of occasions. And yet, when I was asked by some really close friends who are yet uh, to know the Lord, why I chose to apply to be the vicar of St. Uh, Jude's, it was easier to communicate to them as the world communicates. Because their assumptions were that it's closer to Jesse's family than where we were before. Or it's a good place to live. It's nice to be by the sea. It is a good place to live. It's nice to be by the sea. Maybe there are some things that the church asked for in their parish profile, some gifts and skills that I have. Some of you are thinking, no, it's definitely not that. Uh, if, if that's the case, then bless you. Um, there are all sorts of secular, easy-to-communicate reasons why I might have applied for this job. It's harder for me to say, particularly to those who don't yet believe, actually, the only reason I applied, all those reasons are good, but the only reason I applied is because God told me to apply. God spoke to me really clearly. To say all those things are true and relevant and good, but I applied because God told me to. And now I'm a vicar, and people expect me to be weird. And yet still, it's sometimes hard to communicate what is true for us, what is true of our faith, to share that love that God has for us. Because the reality is we do have a better story than this world offers, a better hope. Now, as I've reflected on this over the week, there are three areas which I want to just think about very briefly. Um, I know that was a long introduction, uh, but very briefly, and um, got over the pride that I felt for the fact that they all begin with the same letter. Uh, we've got them on the screen. They are believe, behave, and be brave. Believe, behave, and be brave. Let's think about believe then for a moment. I wonder if there are parts of our faith, our hope, which we aren't as confident in. Parts of our faith, parts of our understanding that we don't necessarily understand as well as we might. My training incumbent, Jonathan, in uh, Leamington Spa had a massive brain, and it was really easy for me to think about him as someone that could understand all the mysteries of the universe and have an answer to every question that there might be. And he once shared with me that in his mind, he has three trays on his desk. And one of them has got a very small amount of paperwork in it. And that's the things that he knows and he understands. The one in the middle has got a very, very small amount of paperwork in it. And that's the things he's currently working on at the moment. And the last one is absolutely overflowing to the brim of all the stuff he hasn't even got to yet or even thought about thinking about. What are the parts of our faith? What are the parts of our gospel message, perhaps, that we struggle with? What are the things that we find hard to talk about, not only with those who believe, but those who don't yet believe? Is it some of those things that I mentioned? Maybe it's our understanding of the cross and what that means for us. Maybe it's our understanding of God as healer, or maybe as God's voice and how we hear him speak to us. Maybe it is those issues that impacts the world and where the world seems to be at complete odds to his church. I wonder, whatever those things are, how we think we might get to a point of resolving them, how we move them, as it were, in the picture from one tray to the next. Well, I can assure you that ignoring them is not the answer. Leaving them there and forgetting about them and hoping that they will go away is not the answer. 
My own view on what the Bible says about sexuality and about marriage is definitely different to much of what the world gives. It may be different to what you believe or understand. But for a long time, I found myself lacking in confidence about it, even though I understood it, because I didn't understand it and believe it fully in my heart. Now, it was much easier to avoid that conversation uh, altogether and move on to something far less contentious and far easier to explain or understand. But how did I resolve that nervousness, that lack of confidence that I had? It wasn't to keep avoiding it, but to study it, to read God's word, to understand what God's word says about it, to listen to what others have said, to read about it, to grow in faith, if you will. Uh, what a great line from a vision. Maybe we should make it part of ours. For those of you who don't know, it already is. This is true for every part of our gospel, whatever it is. If we don't feel confident enough about something, it will be harder for us to share it uh, with others. We need first to believe it because we do have a better hope. Whatever it is, a better hope, a better story, a way of offering God's love, but we need to believe it. So we first need to believe. We secondly need to behave. St. Francis of Assisi is often quoted as, as saying, preach the gospel at all times, sometimes use words. Actually, he didn't say it. Uh, it's attributed to him. I don't know who said it. It doesn't matter. It, the, the point is valid. Preach the gospel at all times, sometimes use words. We need to not only believe the good news of Jesus, we also need to behave in a way that shows that we believe that as well. For a long time, Jess wouldn't let me have one of those fish on the back of our car um, as, as, uh, in, uh, that you sometimes see around the place. Not because she's ashamed of the gospel, no. Uh, she's uh, far more willing and able to share the gospel uh, than I am, I think, at times. Uh, no, because she felt that my driving was not of a standard uh, that would be uh, a good witness to the gospel of Jesus. And she was probably right. I didn't always behave in the car in a way that I showed that I was a believer of Jesus, that showed that I was a Christian. The famous question that I'm sure you've been asked here uh, before, if you were um, charged tomorrow with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prosecute you? If you were charged tomorrow on the charge of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prosecute you? It may not be a real threat for us here on the south coast of England uh, on this relatively warm October day, but it is a real threat around our world. There are parts of our world where you will be prosecuted for your faith. Some here may have experienced that themselves. And yet we have this freedom to not be ashamed of the gospel, to share the gospel. And often we fail to act differently in the world around us. Uh, we do have a fish now, by the way. Um, you can ask Jess whether or not I deserve it. Probably not. Um, but we do have a fish on the back of the car. So we need to believe in the gospel. We need to behave in a way that shows that we believe in the gospel. But sometimes we also need to be brave. I don't know how many of you here have watched the BBC program Outlawed. It was on, uh, there was a new series on just uh, recently. It's filmed in Bristol, uh, where Jess and I met. So we've got a bit of a heart for that part of the world. Uh, and uh, there are questionable uh, part, things that happen in the, in the TV program. There is questionable language in it. I'm not sure I'm uh, really uh, suggesting that you go and watch it. Uh, but we did watch it. And in the very last episode, uh, there was a moment of deep philosophy uh, which I'm sure if you watched it, you caught. Um, 
forgive me, uh, I realize I've been talking for about 15 minutes now and I've just told you I'm going to introduce some deep philosophy with for you. Just put your really best philosophical thinking hats on uh, and we'll watch this film in just a second. Basically what's happened is that the boy and girl that you see, the man and the woman on this film that you see, the man's ex-wife has just introduced her new partner to him and the girl is trying to offer the man some form of kind of comfort or help. So let's just watch about 30 seconds. Just in case you missed that, blokes that jump out of planes only jump out of planes because they jump out of planes. Blokes that jump out of planes only jump out of planes because they jump out of planes. As, as he says, uh, and, and as he says, philosophy, perhaps worthy of some of the greatest minds uh, of our generation. Last week, Neil challenged us to think about the things that hold us back from sharing our faith. Do you remember those three things he asked us to talk about? Uh, whether it was the fact that we use the excuse that it's not my job or maybe it's a bit scary, or I haven't got the time. And there are gifted evangelists in the world. Ephesians 4 tells us uh, that Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, uh, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. But just as it's not the job of uh, the prophets to sit on the end of the big white telephone and to expel the messages that they hear from God to his congregation, or it's the job of the pastors to do all of the caring for everybody and no one else has to do any caring whatsoever. It's not just the job of the evangelists to do the work of evangelism. We are all called in one way or another to share our faith, to be brave, to share our faith. Now, what that looks like will be different for each of us. And maybe for a few of us, it might just be the starting block of letting those around us know that we have faith and what impact that has in our lives. For some of others of us, it may be being a bit braver. We will know what it is uh, uh, that we need to do. The best advice I think I received on this was a few years ago at a conference, uh, and uh, the person suggested that you turn those those everyday moments and experiences that we all have into opportunities because I suspect all of us at points in the week either say out loud I'll pray for you or think to ourselves I'll pray about that situation in a conversation we have with somebody that's going through a difficult time or a difficult situation or they're struggling with something we either say oh I'll pray for that or uh, or we or we we think we'll pray for them well rather than say I'll pray for that why not just say can I pray for that now turn that instant moment from, uh, into an opportunity. And it might be in the queue at Tesco or at Waitrose. It might be after church on a Sunday. It might be just out on the street. Can I pray for you quickly now? It can be a real opportunity for people to experience and explore the living Lord Jesus right there and right now. Whatever our current level, wherever we are, and whatever being brave looks like to us, we simply need to step out of our comfort zones and allow God to meet us there. Because blokes that jump out of planes only jump out of planes because they jump out of planes. Christians that share God's love only share God's love because they share God's love. Christians that offer hope only offer hope because they offer hope. Christians that grow in faith only grow in faith because they grow in faith. You get the point. 
Paul says in this passage, he is not ashamed of the gospel. We might not use that word ashamed. We might use another word. But do we share his love with others when we meet them? He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. Remember earlier I said my favorite verses in scripture were those verses from Ephesians 1, that we would know his hope, his inheritance, and his power. He, Paul goes on to say that that power that we have as believers of Christ is the same power that God used when he raised Christ from the dead and lifted him into the heavenly realms at the right hand of God. That same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead is available to us. That same power is in you and is in me. We don't do any of this in our own power, in our own strength. We do all of this in his power, in his strength. When the Lord speaks to Gideon in the Old Testament, he says, go in the strength that you have. Am I the Lord not sending you? Go in the strength that you have. We have that strength. He gives it to us and he calls us out. I wonder if you would stand with me and I'll pray for us. Let's just for a moment think for ourselves what it is that sometimes holds us back from sharing God's love. Maybe it's uncertainty about aspects of our faith or an unwillingness to be marked out as different. Maybe sometimes it's just easier to act and speak and do as the world acts and speaks and does. Maybe it just feels really scary. Whatever it is, Lord Jesus, would you meet us in this moment? Would you remind us of your power? That same power that you used when you raised Christ from the dead. Would you remind us that that power is available for us? For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Lord Jesus, would you use that power in us? Would you help us to share your love with everyone we meet? Would we see your kingdom come and your will be done amongst us? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Would you meet with us now? as I pray, I heard the words, um, a tree with solid roots bears much fruit. Lord, would you help us 
to grow our faith and our understanding of you? Would you help us to grow in our relationship with you? To grow in depth of knowing you? And that through those roots, through being rooted in you and knowing you and knowing your power, that we would see much fruit. going to continue uh, in this place of prayer as we sing uh, together in a moment. Uh, as we sing this song, if you've got children in uh, Little Sparks or Ignite or Blaze, so that's in the room to my right, the room in the garden room or upstairs, please will you go and collect them because they will be joining us for communion today. Uh, if your children are in Beacons, they'll be brought down to you.